the darkness at thy speaking it was done. Welcome to sermons from Zion Lutheran Church of Gwinner, North Dakota. Zion Lutheran Church is committed to the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and the world. The following sermon is from Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle Jesus in his talk. And they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us, then, what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God. When they heard it, they marveled. And they left him and went away. This is the gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. In our gospel reading from Matthew, we hear that the religious leaders, those religious leaders of that time, they simply could not listen to Jesus any longer. They could not stand what Jesus was about. And they could not stomach the message that he taught. So they put their heads together to figure out a way to get rid of Jesus. There was a catch, though. The religious leaders knew that they could not destroy Jesus publicly, and they did not want to reveal their evil intentions. So they devised a plan. They devised a plan where they would compliment Jesus as if they could butter him up only to then follow up with a tricky and malicious either-or question. You know what I'm talking about. One of those questions, yes, one of those questions where no matter how you answer, you will be found guilty. Yes, they plan to sweet-talk Jesus and then drop that question on him as a trap. They wanted to put Jesus into one of those damned-if-you-do and damned-if-you-don't type scenarios. The religious leaders then did just that. They praised Jesus for being sincere and teaching the truth. And then they asked him whether Caesar should be given tribute or not through the pain of taxes. In other words, Jesus was asked to answer whether it was lawful to give tax money to Caesar or not. Now here's the catch. If Jesus says yes the people would go after him as being a supporter of Rome and not being sympathetic to those trying to liberate Jerusalem from Rome's oppression. On the other hand, if Jesus says no, then some of the people in that crowd, namely a group called the Herodians, would arrest him as a rebel against the authorities at that time. Again, a tricky either-or question. You see, there was no doubt about it. All of this was a very devilish strategy that was intended to bring about Jesus' destruction. 
It was an evil plan to be rid of Jesus and his teaching. Now, dear friends, this hostile spirit towards Jesus is really nothing new. It is nothing other than that Old Testament spirit of Cain. You remember that story of Cain and Abel that we have heard before? Cain, he murdered Abel because Cain sought to offer God his own sacrifice, resulting in God rejecting Cain's work and accepting Abel's gift given in faith. In other words, Cain's hatred towards Abel was due in part to his own hatred towards God, for God refusing to accept his righteousness. Yes, that spirit of Cain is an evil and nasty disposition. It is a very evil, nasty way of thinking and living. The spirit of Cain is bloodthirsty. It is a bloodthirsty disposition that causes people to want to be in charge of everything and to pass judgment on anyone else that does not worship at their feet. That spirit of Cain is about eliminating others who stand against the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. The point being, yes, the point being, just as we see Cain go after Abel, that same exact spirit was prevalent in the religious leaders who were plotting Jesus' destruction. It was especially prevalent in that tricky either-or question. It was embedded in that question, that either-or question that was posed to Jesus of whether or not to support Caesar or not. Yes, that question was not, I repeat, it was not a question that was intended to grant clarity and they were not trying to learn from Jesus. But that either or tricky question was meant to undermine. It was meant to trap. It was meant to discredit and destroy Jesus. And here's the catch. That same spirit of Cain is alive today as well. All we have to do is listen to the questions that are being asked of the church today and we quickly realize that many of the questions are not being asked to grant clarity but are being asked in a way to undermine and trap and discredit and destroy Christianity and Christians as well. For example, you may have heard there's been a question circulating around on the internet that asks the following and here's what it says. The question is posed to Christians, and here's what it says. You, yes, you Christians, are in a burning building, and there is a container with 1,000 embryos and a five-year-old child, and you can only save one. Which one would you save? Now, here's the catch. If you say the 1,000 embryos, then you are a monster for letting a five-year-old die. However, if you say the five-year-old, then you are admitting that an embryo is not a valid human life on the same level as that five-year-old. You see how this works? This question is not intended to learn or create a healthy dialogue, but it is only meant to trap and discredit. It does not allow the Christian to say this. It does not allow the Christian to say this at all, which is the voice of the Christian. I would try to say both because all life, yes, all life is precious. You see, this question, it does not allow the Christian to say, 
Instead of running out of the building to save just myself, I would risk my very own life to save as many lives as possible, embryos and five-year-old children, because all life is precious and important before God. Or there's this question. You are not one of those ignorant, foolish Christians who believe everything in the Bible is true, are you? Which if you correctly, yes, if you correctly say yes, you are then inadvertently admitting to being an ignorant, foolish Christian according to this question. And if you say no, you are admitting that the Bible is full of errors. In other words, this question is meant to undermine and discredit the Christian. It does not allow the Christian to give a thoughtful, educated, and respectful answer that the Bible is truth. Oh, and who can forget this question that comes up all the time? Did your God have authority over that hurricane and that earthquake or not? This question is also meant to either imply that God is not powerful or not loving. You see, if we say that God did not have authority over an earthquake or a hurricane, then the accusation is that God, yes, that God is not powerful, that he is a pathetic, powerless God. But if we say that God does have power over hurricanes and earthquakes, then we are accused that God is not loving because he did not stop a tragedy. Again, this either-or question is intended to trap and destroy, not to learn and to be edified. Now, we in the church, though, we aren't much better. Yes, we're not much better, though we may not have that same malicious intent as those religious leaders in our gospel reading. We, too, can put forth these either-or questions to get our own way. For example, one that has been circulating for quite some time is this question. Is your church going to cling to that stuffy, irrelevant, dead liturgy or reach out with life and relevance to the youth of the next generation? So here again, yes, here again, if a person upholds the liturgy of the church, they somehow don't care about youth and the next generation, On the other hand, if they want to reach out to the youth and the next generation, then the question forces them to say that the liturgy is irrelevant, stuffy, outdated, and dead. This, too, is nonsense and divisive. Cannot a church uphold the liturgy and the historical aspects of the church and reach out to the youth of the next generation at the same time? Furthermore, if a church has God's word and sacrament, Is it even possible for a church to be dead? Oh, and I might add, as long as we're on the topic, we cannot forget every pastor's favorite one. Pastor, would you rather have me in the church thinking about the woods or in the woods thinking about the church? Thinking about God. To which the pastor says, neither That is a false either-or question that stems from the sinful nature's animosity towards God's word. It is a way to skirt around that third commandment of honoring the Sabbath. You see, after being asked that tricky either-or question by the religious leaders, Jesus, he immediately perceived the religious leaders' wickedness. He understood that they were not asking a question to learn, but a question to trap him. And so he said this, You hypocrites. 
Yes, he called the religious leaders by their name. He called them hypocrites. They were acting all pious on the outside and asking him a question, but their question was rooted in wickedness and deceit. They had honey on their lips and poison in their hearts. The religious leaders were speaking with a forked tongue, and Jesus called them what they were, hypocrites. This must have stung them deeply, for the truth always hurts the sinful old Adam. Now, dear friends, the plot of the religious leaders shows us how God's word is usually treated. And it shows us how Satan and his bride, being the world, hate nothing as much as God's word. And those who believe it, those who teach it, and those who preach it. But regardless of the tactics of the world, and regardless of these either-or questions that were meant for destruction, Christ Jesus did not sway. He was not ensnared. Jesus is true and teaches the way of God, not being distracted, worried, or entangled by the partiality and the trickery of mankind. And so, as we heard in our gospel lesson, Jesus, he sent those religious leaders home with their tails between their legs. There's an irony here, though. You see, it was only a short time later that the religious leaders decided that the only way to remove Jesus from the scene was to remove him from life, to kill him. So during the next few days, those same religious leaders carried out their plan and arranged to have Jesus crucified. And when Jesus had died, the powers of sin and death and the devil thought they had won. That is to say, according to the power of evil, either one dies and is defeated or lives and wins. However, yes, however, what sin, death, and the devil did not understand is that it is not, I repeat, it is not an either-or scenario with Jesus. Christ dies, Get this, he dies and is not defeated, but is victorious. In a word, Christ, he loses on the cross so that he might win over death. Yes, Christ loses on the cross so that he might win, not lose. Christ rises from the grave so that death might lose, not win. Baptized saints, this is your Lord Jesus Christ. No trickery could keep him ensnared in the grave. No plot could undo his plan of salvation for you. No forked tongue of evil could keep the message of that forgiveness of sins from you. Christ, he does not dance to the tunes of hypocrites, for Christ is true. Therefore, as his blood-bought, baptized saints, you shall not be worried or deceived by any deception of the world, or any deceptive either-or tactics, your hearts and minds are guided by the wisdom of Jesus, proclaimed to you through his word. As Christ's own, you are dazzled not by the empty flattery of mankind, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So may the Lord keep us this day. May he keep us strong in his word that is strong for us. May he keep us in this strong word that severs the schemes of darkness today and forevermore. In the name of Jesus, 
Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormattrichard.org or visit Zion Lutheran Church's website at www.zionglinner.org. The Lord bless and keep you.